It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Zig Ziglar once said, You will never find a truly happy, self-centered person. Good morning, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format. We happen to be caller-friendly. So let's get started. Jonathan, what's the subject matter on the table for this fine Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, should we be our brother's keeper? Yep. And our theme text is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well said, Jonathan. Folks, thanks for listening today. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I mean, really, you can sum there's it all up in that one scripture. But obviously, there's a lot of details that need to be discussed and put on the table. And, and Jonathan, you know, sometimes there are things, seemingly small things, that can actually change the world. Compassion and caring, for instance. By just showing a little compassion or by acting in a way that shows you care can have a dramatic effect not only on the giver giver and recipient of these actions, but on those who witness them as well. And really, to me, that's the key. Yes. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about loving our enemies. So today we ask, how can we better care for our friends? How can we, in practical terms, be our brother's keeper? And, you know, you have that very famous scripture in Genesis, which we'll spend quite some time on, uh, in the situation where, where Cain murders his brother, and God confronts him, and then, you know, the, 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 the reaction of Cain, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And God doesn't necessarily directly answer the question, but it's a very important question. So... Before we get started in our conversation and going to the Genesis scripture, again, our subject, should we be our brother's keeper, let's take a moment, let's go to a TED Talk by Phil Piff, uh, and this was on the science of greed, and they did several experiments in terms of putting things in perspective, understanding what makes people to be greedy, and, and the thought behind this is when we are thinking about ourselves, we're not necessarily thinking about other people. Right. So we're thinking about, I'm being thinking about being my keeper and the heck with you. And so this is just a dropping in on this talk, listening to part of their experiments on what happened and people being very self-absorbed. So let's listen. We ran another study where we looked at whether people would be inclined to take candy from a jar of candy that we explicitly identified as being reserved for children. Participating, I'm not kidding, I know it sounds like I'm making a joke. We explicitly told participants, this jar of candy is for children participating in a developmental lab nearby. They're in studies, this is for them, and we just monitored how much candy participants took. Participants who felt rich took two times as much candy as participants who felt poor. 
That's like disturbing, you know. How sad. <laughs> You've heard it's like t- taking candy from a baby. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> you know, and you think, well, wait, wh- wh- where do we go wrong when we just feel that we're above whatever the the the, the suggested guidelines are? Selfishness. Uh, yeah. So so being our brother's keeper has a lot to do with understanding selfishness and things things of that nature. So. To get to the bottom of it, and how is it that we are to be our brother's keeper? Let's go back to the original brother's keeper question. We already mentioned it, Cain and Abel. Their births and their lives are the very first thing spoken of after Adam's choice to sin and their expulsion from the Garden of Eden. So this is important. Yeah, it's important. And the other thing to remember, especially in Genesis, is you can have one chapter end or one phrase end and then something else happen. And it doesn't happen necessarily the next minute or the next day or the next hour. Right, right. It, it can be years in between. So we have to put this all into some perspective as we go through it. But this is the very next thing mentioned in Genesis. So we're going to Genesis chapter 4, uh, start with the second half of verse 2. We're going to go 2 through 10, and obviously I'm not going to let you read all that without interrupting <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Hey, <laughs> anytime, you know. <laughs> and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock okay. and of their fat portions. Okay, okay. See, I was interrupting you even too soon. Yeah. Oh, geez, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Control yourself. Uh, so, two brothers, two different and two necessary focuses on the part of each brother, Cain and Abel. Tilling the ground. I mean, they had to till the ground now because it was about survival. Sure. It was about food. And that's right in line with what God had told Adam that he would have to do as a result of his sin. Absolutely. So you can imagine Cain is born, the firstborn son of Adam, and he's going to teach him the most important thing. Tilling the ground. Right, because we have to Survival. Right, exactly. Right after the pronouncements of sin's consequences, if you remember, going back before the Cain and Abel incident in the garden, God made coverings for Adam and Eve from animal skins. That's right. Another part of survival, another part of keeping themselves protected. Abel was a keeper of flocks. So each of these two sons of Adam, and look, there were other sons and daughters, let's just make that statement now, Mm -hmm. but each of these two sons of Adam were involved in things that were absolutely necessary for their survival. It was about clothing now for Abel being a keeper of the flocks in this harsher environment outside the garden, um, uh, of Eden, because Earth was not in the shape that the Garden of Eden was in, the rest of the planet. Okay, right. so they are working on doing necessary things. It's not like one is more necessary than the other. You need food and, and shelter. <laughs> and, and you could see their hearts. They're both offering something to the Lord, right? In thanks. Okay, and, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. So let, let's continue with the back half of verse 4 and verse 5. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. So you say, okay, what's happening here? How come God is not happy with the offering that Cain gives, but he's happy with the offering that Abel gives? And there's no real reasons given to us. No, there isn't. So what we need to do is look at the at the context, look at what had happened, and let's try and figure out what what would there be that 
would would make God react in, in such a way. So, I mean, perhaps the regard for Abel's sacrifice was all about remembering God's sacrificing of an animal so that they could be clothed. Maybe. I mean, we, okay. we, we don't know. Right. But I think that... The, that's that's got, a possibility. That's got, some, that's got some traction, I think. So, they would be protected both physically and emotionally as a result of sin. They needed to be protected. Okay? The clothing was, was protection. Mm-hmm. Okay? Animal skins could also be used to create shelter of kinds. So, you have this protectiveness in what Abel was doing. Perhaps this sacrifice or this kind of sacrifice was instituted as a constant reminder that the cost for sin is a life. A life of that animal. Yes. Ah. Because remember, the first animal sacrificed in all of human history was the animal that was sacrificed to, for so that they could have clothing. Okay. So maybe you look at that, and God with Adam had set this up, saying, look, I want you to remember this. This is the most important there, thing. There was a cost right. to it, wasn't there? And that is also a precursor to Jesus. The cost, it was bloodshed, that cost that would eventually wipe away sin. So, and if you look at the, the sacrifices uh, in 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 the in the times of the the tabernacle, you know when they're wandering through the wilderness and making all these animal sacrifices. And then in the Book of Hebrews it says, you know, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Right. But it would atone for sin. It would give them. It would buy them time, essentially. A year at a time. Right. A standing right. with God. Right. Okay. So I think that what it was is there was a common knowledge that this is what God is looking for from you. This is what he wants, and this is why he wants it. Now, there weren't that many of them that they would, you know, they would get lost in translation. Good point. Okay? Good point. All right, let's, let's take just a moment. Let's go back to uh, another soundbite from the TED Talk. Um, actually, this is a different TED Talk. This is Daniel Goleman on compassion. Uh, and he's talking about some... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We need to do another um, another verse, Jonathan. Thank yes, you. we do. It's like, Rick, what are you doing? You're running ahead of yourself. Okay, verses 6 and 7. I'm sorry. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not, you not, do, not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. So this is really... Very actually kind of awesome when you think about it because God's not happy. Cain gets mad. God comes to Cain and talks to him. Yeah. So God is compassionate in the face of Cain's anger. And God lets Cain know, look, there's still hope. It's okay. I get it. All right. But here, your hope here, though, depends that you make righteous choices. That's right. You have a choice. Right. The alternative is to feed your sin and let it go unrestrained. Now, it's your choice, Cain. Sin is crouching at the door for you. You can choose to not go down that path, or you can choose to do something different. I'm showing you how to make this right. So God, it wasn't like Cain got mad, God, God was mad, Cain got mad, and Abel died. No. It was, there was much, much more to this. So I think that's part of developing the story and understanding the whole Brothers Keeper concept. All right, now let's go to that TED Talk. Thank you, Jonathan, oh, for sure. getting me back on track. Daniel Goldman uh, on Compassion uh, in a TED Talk. And he's talking about, well, well just listen, it's just kind of cool. It's talking about modern day and where, where we've gone wrong. 
The um, Harvard Business Review recently had an article called The Human Moment about how to make real contact with a person at work. And they said, well, the fundamental thing you have to do is turn off your Blackberry, close your laptop, end your daydream, and pay full attention to the person. There is a newly coined word in the, in the English language for the moment when the person we're with whips out their Blackberry or answers that cell phone and all of a sudden we don't exist. The word is pizzled. It's a combination of puzzled and pissed off. <laughs> I think it's quite apt. So, you know what? And, and nobody uses that word. No. You know why? Because everybody does that now. Mm. And people aren't angry or puzzled anymore because everybody does it. So it's just funny. That was from 2012, incidentally. So he was talking about blackberries. Um, but, you know, the idea is we're so self-absorbed that we don't get out of our own way and then others don't seem to matter. Cain was self-absorbed in this particular event. He was. And it changed the course of history as a result of his self-absorption. God gave him a way to deal with the issue, but Cain chose to go a different way from what God directly told him. So let's now go again. We're back in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they went in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So there you have the famous statement. So first of all, we've got the first lie. You know, where's your brother? I don't know. Yes, you do. Okay. Then there's the insolence, which led to the question. The mere fact of the excessive use of the word brother by God here, and then Cain's repeating it, uh, is sufficient answer to Cain's question. I mean, it's all about his brother. It's about your brother. It's about your brother. It's about your brother. Verse 10. And uh, just clarifying, oh. the first human lie, because yes. we know Satan yes, that's uh, true. did lie yes. before that. Yes. Verse 10, he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. God's question is piercing and includes several steps that it, it took for Cain to get to this point. So there's a lot to this. Obviously, we're out of time for this segment, but next segment, we've got to get back to understanding what's really happening here and where the brother's keeper went away. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, should we be our brother's keeper? Coming up, how did Cain get to this point? How did he become the human race's first murderer? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. When the world you're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is Should We Be Our Brother's Keeper? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL, or you could message us on your app. And if you don't have an app for your smartphone, just go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio, and it is a free service. And that's right. We love to get uh, your messages and see what you're thinking if you don't want to uh, call in. So you can certainly contact us that way as well. Okay, so Jonathan, let's get back down to this. We're talking about Cain 
and the dramatic events that occurred in the garden and murder. I mean, plain and simple. That's huge. The first time in the human family that that took place. So you have how, – how did he get there? Let Let's we we've got to go through the process of figuring out how he got there, and the scriptures tell us. The scriptures it, it's great to when you have the scriptures to give you a sense of how things develop. But before we go there, first let's realize that our care for one another is different depending upon our relationships with one another. That's a good point. Okay, so first you have family obligations, right? Blood relatives, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's next? Uh, brotherly love, those in the faith. Right. So brotherly love, different. Than family. Than family. Yeah. Now, now, a lot of times you treat them the same, but it's just a different category. Good point. Okay. The, the next is care for our neighbor. And so somebody you're not necessarily attached to other than geographically. Yeah, they're close by. Right. And third, strangers and those who may oppose us. So there's all different kinds of people that we have to, have to interact with. And the question is, should we be our brother's keeper with all of them? Or do we treat them all exactly the same, or are there differences? Hmm, good questions. So let's start with family obligations. That's the closest, and that's the Cain and Abel situation for sure. Yeah. Perhaps the hardest area because it's so instinctively close to your heart. Cain and Abel were obviously brothers. Being your brother's keeper is most fully applied uh, here in that situation. Being brothers, you're supposed to be instinctively your brother's keeper. Well, Rick, uh, with siblings... You know, I had a younger sister, mm-hmm. and so I always thought of, okay, in school and things, I need to protect her to make sure right. she's safe and okay. It's, got, it's a natural, yes. I think, feeling. So to be your brother's keeper, the word keeper, what does that actually mean? To hedge about, guard, generally to protect or attend to. So when you think about it, being my brother's keeper is not just keeping an eye, but it says to hedge about. Protection. Right. To, to help, build. help if you need Build some kind of wall of protection around them. Yes. All right? So that's what Cain is asking God. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be protecting him from every single thing in the world? And really the, 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 the question is, Cain, you should protect him from your own hand at least. Oh. Okay? So oh, sure. So let's just to give us a sense of how that particular word is used in scriptures, a couple of different examples. Psalm seventeen eight. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Keep me. Protect me as the apple of your... You know, you instinctively protect your eyes without thinking about it. You're right. Okay. Uh, Psalm 116.6. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Preserveth is the same word for keeper. And again, the idea when you're preserving somebody, you're... Protecting. Right. You're, you're, you're nurturing, you're mm-hmm. helping. Yes. You're giving them uh, an ability to grow and develop in, in, in their own life. So... How was Cain to have been his brother's keeper, and how was he not to have been his brother's keeper? See, there, there's – because in life, there are, there are things that our brother should absolutely be doing completely on their own. But there are other situations where we should be involved with them, and we should be figuring out how to be there with them. So couple of different um, ways to understand how he should have been his brother's keeper. And again, in the verses that we read from Genesis 4, we're just going to go back and touch on the verses, not going to reread them, but the point. So verse 2, what's the point of Cain being his brother's keeper from verse 2? Well, Rick, both were contributors to their community, food and clothing, complementary vocations. So you be your brother's keeper because you're saying, hey, we're in this together. 
I need what you're doing. You need what I'm doing. So let's help each other. Right. Okay. Verses 4 and 5 talk about sacrificing to God appropriately. Both had access to and shared the proper tools of sacrifice. So sacrificing to God was as important a part of their lives as was tilling the ground and being a keeper of flocks. You can't forget that because in we've lost that entirely oh, in our world. Unfortunately. And, and because of that, because of its importance, they both did know how to do it the right way. And again, help each other along those lines. Verses 6 and 7, Cain's emotions and reactions were his choice, and he was shown how to manage it by God. Right. So Cain, look, have you ever gotten mad at somebody before? <laughs> yeah. Once once maybe? Uh, yeah, right. Many more times than that. Well, look. We, it's not good. And, and it's not good for any of us. No. You know, we all are in that same kind of a situation. And with Cain, he had God Almighty helping him. Counseling him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I mean, you know, God's like putting his hand on your shoulder and saying, easy, son. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and giving Calm him down. direction on how to manage so he could maintain his proper relationship with those around him instead of letting his emotions get the best of him. What else? Well, in verse 8, Abel's life was more valuable than Cain's anger, but Cain chose blind rage. That's the thing that I think we start to miss. And when we decide we don't want to be our brother's keeper anymore, I'll bet you that that verse, the principle of that verse is what takes over. Abel's... uh, our anger becomes more important than the other person's life or, or the other person's experience. Wow, that, that emotion is so strong. It is. And look, human beings are emotional beings. We're supposed to be emotional. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being emotional. But there is something wrong with having our emotions dictate our lives to us. That is brought out clearly in the story of Cain and Abel. Because Cain allowed that to happen, he was given ample opportunity to not go down that road, but he went. He went anyway. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about what does it take to be your brother's keeper. We are at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Also, interact with us on our Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. Go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Okay. Now, we talked about those few points about what made it Cain's responsibility to be his brother's keeper. Well, how was he not to be his brother's keeper? How was Abel not to be Cain's keeper and Cain not to be Abel's keeper? Well, Rick, the first point is regarding what particular occupation or a contribution his brother made. Each chose their actions. Okay, so they, you know, we don't have to say, well, you know, you have to do that, and I and I have to do this. No. Each of us has that ability to make choices. Right. What else? Regarding God's acceptance, each chose a path to present themselves to God. And that is where it becomes very individual. We choose our path that, that gives us our acceptance or our lack of acceptance before God. And the question is, what is that path being driven by, and should we be altering the path we're on, because we're really not walking down the path of walking towards God, we're walking towards ourselves as being God. That's what happened to Cain, and that's what happened to Satan. That's right. Okay? So there's a pattern. 
And the pattern to toward not being your brother's keeper, bottom line, is satanic, for lack it, of a better way to describe it. destructive. Yeah, destructive. Absolutely, absolutely is. All right, let, let's go back to Paul Piff, the TED Talk on the Science of Greed. Uh, in terms of memories, talking about stealing candy, you know. Oh yeah. And you know when they were doing this, 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 these tests with people who were wealthier or felt wealthy, and people who didn't, and how they would overstep the guidelines when it came to uh, sort of taking care of those around them. And it, and it turns out that when people felt like that they had a lot going for themselves, they didn't care so much. And so you're thinking that's sad. It is. It's very <laughs> sad. But this is this is interesting how how things can can start to 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 turn if you do the right kinds of things or bring somebody the right kind of input. So let's listen. So what do we do? This cascade of self-perpetuating pernicious negative effects could seem like something that's spun out of control. And there's nothing we can do about it. Certainly nothing we as individuals could do. But in fact, we've been finding in our own laboratory research that small, small psychological interventions, small changes to people's values, small nudges in certain directions can restore levels of egalitarianism and empathy. For instance, reminding people of the benefits of cooperation or the advantages of community cause wealthier individuals to be just as egalitarian as poor people. So what he's saying is small suggestions can change somebody's mental bent from being self-absorbed to being neighbor-absorbed. That's great. To better being your brother's keeper. So are we giving those nudges? Are we helping? Right. And are we receiving them yes. when they need to be received? Exactly. That's, that's the other part of this. Yeah. So, th- so there's hope, and we all play a part in that hope. And that, that's the cool thing about this. So now l- let's go back to the, the pathway that Cain followed, because that pathway, would, would he would leave his family keeperless by going down this particular pathway of his own emotions. So we're going to list out what happened, the order of things, and Jonathan, the, 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 there's a severe warning here. Oh, there is? Yes. Okay. Don't try this at home. Okay? <laughs> okay? So what we're about to tell you is what not to do, because this is what the scriptures lay out as what Cain did, and each characteristic we're going to back up with Proverbs chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. Each verse actually stands for one of these particular characteristics. So the first characteristic is what? Arrogance. Okay. He knew what the right choice was. He knew, but he didn't really care. Proverbs sixteen sixteen. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen above silver? Wisdom, much better than just having, you know, lots of stuff. Okay? So, arrogance. Second characteristic. Anger. He blew up at the result of his poor choice. And so easy to blow up in anger when we're arrogant because we just think that we are it. And this is Proverbs sixteen seventeen. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. He who watches his way. So when you get wisdom, you can now learn how to watch the way that you're going. And you know, sometimes you need to take an exit off the road that you're on Mm. and get onto a different highway. That's right. Okay. So we have arrogance and then we have anger. What else? Pride. He did not correct his path when given opportunity. And let's take a look at Proverbs 16, 18. 
Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. And so that simply tells you, you know, you, you want to screw up everything in your life? You want to destroy things? Great. Be full of pride. It's only a matter of time. It, you know, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so you've got arrogance, anger, pride. What's next? Irresponsibility. I mean, this keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That's what we said. Don't try this at home. Irresponsibility, what? He blamed his innocent brother. All right. So rather than absorbing and accepting responsibility, he shifted it. Somehow Abel became responsible for Cain's lack of acceptance with God. <laughs> wow. But that, that's what happens when you dwell in arrogance, anger, and pride. Proverbs sixteen nineteen. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And finally, there was what? Rage. And what happens? He killed his innocent brother. This all led to a great revealing and consequences. Proverbs 16.20 He who gives attention to the word will find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. So rather than rage, settle down, give attention to the word, give attention to God's word, and there you will find good that can diffuse the rage. So finishing the portion of God's conversation with Cain in Genesis 4 that applies today, because we're not going to go through the whole thing, we don't have time, but Genesis 4, 11 and 12. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So God now, after Cain is sort of yelling at God, you know, am I my brother's keeper? God is essentially saying, yes, you are especially here and especially now, and you are cursed from the ground, which the ground that you have been tilling is now no longer going to be your friend because you have, you have spilt your brother's blood upon that ground. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. So, not a good situation for Cain. No. And all the people around are going to see what the consequence is for sin and murder. And when you say all the people around, that's why it's important to realize, even though the situation with Cain and Abel is the next thing that's mentioned in Scripture, it doesn't mean that there was a lot of time that didn't go by first. That's right. You had to have, first of all, they had to grow up. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. There were other children. There were other people. They, I mean, there, there, was, there were communities. They had families. So, so there's, there's others, and Cain is going, to, be, is going to, to suffer severe consequences for his actions. And, Rick, I thought it was interesting that because of his hand, he killed his brother. And it's because his hand in tilling the ground that that was the curse where he couldn't use good for his hand that, that did evil. Yeah, God has a way of really making the, the consequences stick. And so what we're seeing is the clear-cut end result of not being your brother's keeper. And what ends up happening is we get stuck inside of me, or I get stuck inside of me, and therefore I won't keep thee. You know, and, and that's such a, such a problem. Cain is devoured by his own series of rash thoughts and decisions, and the consequences are all that he has left now. Not a good situation. Folks, we have to learn to be our brother's keeper. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should we be our brother's keeper? Coming up, how do we apply being our brother's keeper in the broader relationships of our lives? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. 
You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, Should We Be Our Brother's Keeper? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Oh, yeah. That's really something you got to do. Just because you got to. It's a free service. It is a free service. It's a great tool. We've gotten such wonderful feedback from uh, so many who have used that uh, as, as a tool for, for Bible study, for understanding, uh, for teaching their kids, uh, all kinds of things. So try it out. Seek your Rewind, the full edition, a free service at ChristianQuestions.com. So, so Jonathan, we've spent two segments talking about Cain. I think enough. <laughs> it's a little depressing. It is. It's very <laughs> depressing. So let's look at how to be our brother's keeper. Let's look at it from a big perspective because, remember, there's a difference between your, your, your physical family and the brotherhood mm-hmm. and, and people who are neighbors or associates yep. and then people who don't even like you. Strangers. <laughs> okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do we put that all in perspective? That's what the rest of the program is going to be focusing on. Let's start, though. Let's start by beginning to unfold a really amazingly wonderful story about some firefighters in Lansing, Michigan. So, Fred, let's go to this uh, next. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure what network. I couldn't figure out what network this was reported on, but this is a news report um, about these firefighters. Fire Station 1 in Lansing, Michigan is not a restaurant, but it does have a regular customer. Here you go, Tony. Thank you. You want some Kool-Aid? I got my pop. Okay. Tony Tuminello has a mental disability, but definitely not an eating one. He never misses a meal here. And why should he? The firemen all pitch in to pay for his food and even provide transportation to and from. All right, boss, here we go. And that's just a small sampling of the service they provide him. All right, see you. Tony has his own place, but he pretty much just sleeps there. Good night, Tony. He also has his own job at a local flower market, but he pretty much just works there. Otherwise, he's at the station and has been about six hours a day, nearly 365 days a year, for almost 60 years now. <laughs> wow. So there's got there's a story behind this, and it's a great story. We'll unfold it throughout the rest of the program. But it just it just makes your heart smile when you hear something like this beginning to develop. And this is really what we want to focus on. So, Jonathan, let's get to the positive points about being our brother's keeper. First thing, being our brother's keeper should be an identifying trait of any true Christian. It certainly should be. It should be one of those things that that people look at you and say, look at how they treat other people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's something special about that. Let's look at 1 John 3, 10 to 16. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the other who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So it talks about practicing righteousness. You know, if you practice righteousness, it's saying you are of God. Okay. Now, to practice righteousness doesn't mean you're just doing nice things. And again, Jonathan, that's a a big, big misunderstanding in the world in which we live. Well, I do nice things. That's not necessarily righteousness. We're not going to get into that in detail. Actually, Seeker Rewind, the full edition, the bonus material, defines that for us. 
by going into definitions and other uses. And so, so that's an important point to understand. Righteousness is not just doing nice things. It is doing godly things. There's a difference. Okay. Matthew 5.20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So unless your righteousness, unless your godly behavior exceeds the godly behavior of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now remember, the scribes and the Pharisees had godly behavior, but a lot of it was an external show. Not an internal from the heart. Right. It wasn't an internal no. It was an external show. They didn't know godly behavior. They just showed it to others to make themselves look good. Our godly behavior, our righteousness, has to be far above that. So godly good brings us to selfless love. And we're in John chapter 3, verses 10 to 16. We're breaking it into pieces. That was John three ten and 11. Now John three twelve and 13. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. I thought we were done with Cain. <laughs> <laughs> but here, you know, the comparison of godly good is brought back to Cain in this verse. And I think that's really important because when you have the question of am I my brother's keeper, godly good comes into the answer. Well, if you're trying to live in a godly good way, then yes, you are. But if you're just if, if you're living another way, then no, you're not. Being your brother's nemesis is to follow Satan in the arrogance of self-service. And make no mistake, that's what Cain was doing. You're right. What's the other side of it, though? Being your brother's keeper means practicing godly good no matter the environment. That is where the rubber meets the road. No matter the environment. And that reminded me, Rick, of Joseph. Yeah. When his yeah. brothers threw, you know, threw him into the pit, then he was sold into slavery. And everywhere he went, Potiphar's house or in prison, wherever his role was, he, he thrived in his environment with godly good. And he not only thrived in his environment, but he made it so his environment thrived. Yes. Because the example was so powerful and so strong, and because he was genuinely concerned about the people around him. He was. That's being your brother's It wasn't keeper. lip service. Right. Like right. the scribes and Pharisees. Exactly. It wasn't for show. Yep. It's, it was because that's what I know. You know, I know it from inside out, being my brother's keeper. So, so now let's continue with John, First uh, John chapter three, uh, verses fourteen to sixteen. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the Christian way is to be your brother's keeper to the extreme as expressed through selfless love. Now, now let's, let's just pause here for a second, Jonathan, because this, I think this is really important. You know, we, we have in our, in our, in our day, uh, people love extremes. 
Absolutely. We have extreme sports. Yep. We have extreme clamoring for rights, both real and perceived. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> okay. We, we live in a society of extremes. It's exciting. It is. Extremes are welcome. We're supposed to be looking for the extreme because that's where, that's where the action is. Christianity also has its extremes, but they're different. The extreme here is the extreme way to live in a way that is full of selfless love. That's extreme. It is. Because you are caring for others before you're caring for yourself. And that's hard to do. That's extreme. It is. You know, and, 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 and that's the, our calling. It should be a trait of ours in our everyday lives. The single, this single characteristic of this extreme love is the fulcrum on which all are able to balance our sinful and fallen lives with godly good and selfless living. You know, our life is like a teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, you know you're, you got weights on either side, and you got that fulcrum in the middle. Yep. To keep it balanced, you have to have selfless love. If you don't have that as a Christian, it won't stay balanced. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at rick at christianquestions.net. So, uh, Jonathan, let's go back to a soundbite. Uh, Paul Piff, the TED Talk on the Science of Greed. Remember the last soundbite from him was talking about the um, small nudges? Yes. To change people's attitudes? Mm-hmm. Well, here he's going to introduce 46 seconds that can change you. And, and this is a classic small nudge. In one study, we had people watch a brief video, just 46 seconds long, about childhood poverty that served as a reminder of the needs of others in the world around them. And after watching that, we looked at how willing people were to offer up their own time to a stranger presented to them in the lab who was in distress. After watching this video, an hour later, rich people became just as generous of their own time to help out this other person, a stranger, as someone who's poor. Suggesting that these differences are not innate or categorical, but are so malleable to slight changes in people's values and little nudges of compassion and bumps of empathy. So you see, you can make an effect on others by the way that you act. It's inside us. Right. It just needs to be brought out. So we can be the 46-second video for other people. Neat. So there's a way. There's a way to to increase the brotherly, keeperly... I, I don't know. That's not a real Pass phrase. it on. Pass <laughs> it on. The goodness. Absolutely. So next point on being our brother's keeper is what? Being our brother's keeper applies to those who are taught as well as those who teach. A lot of times we think about it that, you know, those who are in the pulpit are the ones who are supposed to be taking care of us. But it works the other way as well. Galatians 6, 6 to 10. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Okay, there's got to be a reciprocation of that. How often do we absorb what we are taught and then just move on without reciprocating? You know, without trying to build up the one who just built us up. Mm-hmm. That's really important because you're not there just to, to, to drink it in, but you're there to, to, to express it out as well. That's wonderful. What a giving spirit that is. It is. Verses 7 and 8 of Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Doesn't that sound, the first half of that sound like Cain? You slow, sow to your flesh, you reap corruption. Yes. But if you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you reap eternal life. Being your brother's keeper is an outgrowth of the very basics of our physical and mental behavior. And again, you, you said it, it, it can come from within us and we have that choice. Literally, what we say and do and think will either contribute to or detract from keeping, protecting one another. It's true. So, folks, there's no middle ground. There's no, I'm not going to do either one. You're either going to contribute towards keeping your brother or you're not. You're going to either bring something to it or take something away from it. Verses 9 and 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is an important verse, Jonathan, because as we talk about being our brother's keeper, oftentimes we live in a really cynical world, in a world that looks down on you, especially if you have a strong uh, religious conviction toward Christianity, and I mean toward true Christianity, not, mm-hmm. not I mean so, you know something serious in terms of Christianity. And a lot of times, as we try to express that in our daily lives, you may not be able to witness your Christianity with the words of Scripture, but you can witness your Christianity with the actions that Scripture teaches you to live. I like that. So when we begin to do that, sometimes it doesn't seem to have any effect at all. And you say, you know, okay, so so you're sowing something, and, and it's like, and this scripture is saying, look, don't grow weary. Keep working it. So always be doing good to others, because that's what a Christian is made of. It's not what we do. It's supposed to be what we're made of. I mean, we're supposed to be made of godly goodness and righteousness, for goodness sakes. And maybe that'll rub off on someone else. Maybe it will. So how do we do good? Well, we watch, we listen, and then we respond to the needs of the brotherhood. So now, and again, it's different. Being your brother's keeper is different when it's your your physical family, Mm -hmm. the brotherhood of Christ. Your natural neighbor. And now, and this is where we begin to get into a lot of the differences when you're talking about neighbors and then people that are sort of on the periphery of your life. Mm -hmm. And and maybe even those who don't like you. Enemies. How can you be your brother's keeper to your neighbors and your enemies or just people that you just, you know, see in passing? There are ways. In the second hour, we want to focus on some of those things as well as build the concept of being your brother's keeper from the inside out. For Jonathan, Rick, and Christian Questions, we will be back again in the second hour with so much more on an important subject. And folks, if you take this subject seriously, you can change your environment. So stay with us. We'll be back after the news and all that. But till then, should we be our brother's keeper? Absolutely, to quote a friend of mine. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back soon. Think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Albert Einstein once said, Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. 
Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got an interesting topic on the table that ends up being one of the more important subjects in everyday life. You're right, Rick. And our question this morning is, should we be our brother's keeper? And our theme text is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So, in the first hour, we spent a lot of time talking about Cain and Abel. Yes. Very sad, sad, sad story. But a story that's full of really important lessons for learning what not to do and how to become, truly become our brother's keeper. And remember, the idea for being our brother's keeper is um, being our brother's protector. That's right. Okay, so Cain raised the question about being his brother's keeper out of anger. Remember, he's mad at God oh, yeah. because the sacrifice wasn't, wasn't acceptable. God gave him a way out, but Cain didn't take it. We are required to be our brother's keeper. We are required to be our brother's protector. And so we, we laid out two basic foundational points toward the end of the first hour for being our brother's keeper. What were they? Being our brother's keeper should be an identifying trait of any true Christian. So no matter who you are, no matter what branch of Christianity you might be in, being your brother's keeper should be a way that others identify you. Yes. They can, should be able to see that in you somehow or other. And secondly, being our brother's keeper applies to those who are taught as well as those who teach. So in other words, it doesn't matter if you're the, 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 the lowliest of Christians in your congregation, you are just as responsible to be your brother's keeper as the one who seems to know everything. <laughs> okay. So it's important and it should be pervasive throughout Christianity. So let's, let's go back to TED Talk, uh, the TED Talk by Daniel Goleman on compassion. Uh, and again, he's talking about how compassion works and how sometimes it doesn't work and what we can do to sort of shore up our ability to notice compassion. Some time ago, when I was working for the New York Times, it was in the 80s, I did an article on what was then a new problem in New York. It was homeless people on the streets. And I spent a couple of weeks going around with a social work agency that ministered to the homeless. And I realized, seeing the homeless through their eyes, that almost all of them were psychiatric patients that had nowhere to go. They, were, they had a diagnosis. It made me re... It, what it did was to shake me out of the urban trance where when we see... when we're passing someone who's homeless in the periphery of our vision, it stays on the periphery. We don't notice and therefore we don't act. Interesting phrase, the urban trance. Mm. You know, in terms of noticing those who need help. But we get into the self-absorbed trance of living. And we just don't notice things outside of me, me, me. Right. <laughs> How sad that <laughs> it is. It is. It's incredibly sad. And, and it's a really broken way to look at life. So uh, general principles of being your, your brother's keeper, your neighbor's keeper, is where we're focusing now. And again, not necessarily just family, but the brotherhood neighbors, people around you, and then people on the periphery of your lives. What's the next major point? Being our brother's keeper means keeping judgment of others at a minimum 
end in perspective. All right. So doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any judgment, but it should be kept at a minimum and should be kept in perspective. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of a warning for you. <laughs> for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Is my judgment of my brother or neighbor protective of him, or is my judgment of my brother or neighbor trying to expose him or his weakness? Ooh, you better be careful. Yeah, so what's the reason? Is being my brother's keeping coming, keeper coming from the inside out of you, or is something else coming from the inside out of you? Let's continue with the verse. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Wanting to judge is where the problem begins and reveals whether we are keeping or killing our brother. Now, that's a strong phrase. Ooh, that is. But it's true. It's a true phrase. If we are wanting to judge our brother, what are we really doing? We're wanting to take him down. We're wanting, we're wanting them out. And that's not a good thing. Well, Rick, we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity, as Psalms 51.5 tells us. So shouldn't we be humble? <laughs> right. But, you know, sometimes the problem is that because I'm so born in sin that for me to feel better, I'm going to make it look like you're worse off, worse than me. Oh, there is that uh, tendency. And the problem with that is that does exist. It does. And it's a great temptation. Yeah. Sometimes we want to break, pick ourselves up by putting someone else down. And it, that, that's a, the, the classic lose-lose situation. It and, is. And in Matthew chapter 7, now verse 5 really kind of sums that up. You hypocrite. <laughs> there you go. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay, so by inappropriately judging, we're actually killing our own relationship with God and others. That's what we're doing. The damage is we are hurting ourselves, our relationship with God, and we are poisoning the water for the people around us as well. Terrible example. Yeah, great job. Keep it up. I mean, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for another Bible study. You're welcome. God bless you. Uh, as I have opportunity, I preach uh, one uh, uh, value, or one I make one observation with my peers, and that is that globalization, you know how our globe is shrinking, is not by accident. It is by God's design. God's, our God intends to nurture a human family. Uh, two scriptures come to mind in connection with your uh, topic this morning. That's James 2.16. Remember, I'll paraphrase it, where it says, look, it's not enough to say uh, to your brother, well, God bless you and keep you warm, and you let him go hungry. It's right. not enough. You've got to do more than that. That's James 2.16. And uh, another one, I think uh, a key scripture, which sums up the whole thing here, in terms of my uh, perspective, is uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, it's 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whatever you do, whatever your effort, uh, do all for the glory 
of God, meaning that whatever we do is meaningful as long as God accepts our offering. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. You know, in, in that last point he made about whatever you do, do also the glory of God, that is a surefire way to keep yourself and keep being my brother's keeper it is. mentality. Because if we're doing things to the glory of God, the glory of self has to take a, a far back seat. Mm-hmm. So by glorifying God and looking at the good in my brother, rather than trying to put him down so I can pick myself up, I'm better off. Or, or better better uh, prepared to be my brother's keeper. So good points there, Julius. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, s- uh, sound brother's keeper, neighbor's keeper, judgment advice. We're talking about judgment now. Some sound advice comes from Romans 14, verses 10 to 13, on just how to do that. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another any more, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in our brother's way. So that turns the, the selfishness on its ear. That scripture, because it's saying, rather than being judgmental, realize that we all stand before God. And so rather than judge your brother, because you're going to have to to answer for yourself before God. You know, I cannot answer for you before God. Dear God, let me tell you all about Jonathan. (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. (laughs) But see, that, I mean, that is the the greatest, devious trap you could ever get yourself into. Mm -hmm. Because you're not working on your, 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 your own difficulties. And this is saying, rather than judge your brother, make sure you don't put any stumbling block in their way. In other words, help them run faster, stronger, harder. You know, buy them new sneakers, whatever it is. Keep them moving forward. That's how you, you become your brother's keeper. Because you're accountable. Yes, you're accountable, and God judges us on how we treat others. So, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. If you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. Jonathan, in the last segment of the last hour, we were talking about some firefighters in Lansing, Michigan. And there was a news report about them taking care of this this gentleman. His name is Tony. And we left off where Tony has been spending his days at the fire station for over 60 years now. Wow. Now, he's got, he's got uh, some mental incapacities. And this is a wonderful story of being your brother's keeper. Let's listen to it. Now, this is a 60-year history of this. So let's, let's listen to this unfold. Yeah. It was 1953 when, at the age of 13... Tony went up to some firemen in his neighborhood. Did they invite you to come back to the station? Yep. And you did? Yep. And you never left? Nope. <laughs> Over the years, things have changed, however. That's amazing. What started as one act of kindness for a kid has clearly evolved into something much more. Yeah, you too. It's really special. I, I, I really can't put it into words. A lot of the guys either couldn't put it into words or used the same word. You know, he's like family. He's just family. We'll definitely use the word family. So... A 13-year-old kid, they reach out to him, and, and, and they, just, they just take him in. And now this is generations of firefighters later. They're still 
taking him in. And you can hear it in their voices, the, the goodness, oh, yeah. the, the compassion. That's being your brother's keeper. What a great, great example. N- next point, uh, Jonathan, in terms of judgment and being our brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper means keeping our judgment of ourselves always in gear. So when we judge others, we have to keep it at a minimum and in perspective. But when we judge ourselves, it really should stay in gear. It should just stay on because without proper and attentive self-judgment, we're at risk. Because we, we are just, we're fallen. And, and, and it's too easy to get to go down the wrong path. First Corinthians 11, 27 to 31. Therefore, whoever eats the drink, no, I'm sorry, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord is unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Jonathan, I think this scripture is talking about not taking your Christianity seriously. Because Christianity is not a social organization that you join where you get things and feel good. Christianity is a, is, is a way of life that changes what you focus on. It changes what you do. It changes how you think. And if we are not taking it seriously, you're, the scripture is saying we, if we, we, we will be judged by saying we're a Christian but not living as a Christian. Galatians 6, 4, and 5. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Okay, so there you go. Well, boast in yourself. <laughs> now that doesn't sound right, right? Hey, aren't, aren't you? You know, you gotta puff out your chest, Jonathan. Say, this is my work. No, that, of course that's not right. <laughs> so we're gonna have to figure that one out. Yes. And I think we're gonna have to look at the next segment to figure that out because that's a big point. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is: Should we be our brother's keeper? Coming up. Should we still protect our brother when we are in serious disagreement? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, Should We Be Our Brother's Keeper? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. Okay, so being our brother's keeper is important. It's something that's got to grow from the inside out. If you're a Christian, it should be a trait. I mean, we really need to be focusing on it. And the question you asked at the end of the last segment is really important then. It is. Should we still protect our brother when we are in serious disagreement? So how do you handle that? Well, let, let's get to the next, next principal point on being our brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper means literally being on call to humbly protect and help them. Okay, literally being on call for the purpose of protecting and helping them. Now let's go back to Galatians 6, 1 to 5 and talk about that boasting thing. You were like, yeah. what? Brethren, 
Even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. All right, so to bear another's burden is to help them carry their own load, and, and, and can only be done if you really care about them. And I love the spirit of gentleness yes. is how we're to treat them. Right, and that's that's why it says it, the, you can't really do that with gentleness if you don't care. Exactly. You know, and, and it reminds me of a nurse giving giving care to a patient, somebody mm. who's wounded or mm-hmm. injured. And, and you can tell if there's compassion in the heart of the nurse by the hands of the nurse. You're right. How do they take care of that person versus just bandage them up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's got to come from the inside out. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regarding to himself alone, and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. So, reason for boasting in regard to us. I mean, reason for looking and saying, okay, we're on the right track. Let's keep going. And I'm, I'm talking to myself that way. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. On the right track. Got to keep going. The, boasting is not, you know... Bo- it's not that pride. It's not braggadocious. Yeah, yeah. It is saying, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And, and Jonathan, there's something to be said for being able to recognize growth. Mm, true. Because if we don't, then all we're doing is being ourselves up incessantly and ending up with just, just pieces of what could be something that God is building in us. Well, Rick, what about the the idea that we should be our brother's keeper, even if we are in disagreement, but we can't take away the consequence of their actions, but we're there to support and help so, anyway. So, so like with the Galatians scripture, then you, yeah. what you're saying is, you know, you help them bear their burden, right? When they made a bad choice, mm-hmm. bearing their burden, helping them bear their burden, is not taking away the consequence of their own personal choice. But it's helping to, to, to bear, help them bear through it and learn from it. And not rub their face in it later no. when they fall. No, no, geez, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's terrible. So it's always for <laughs> right. their benefit. Exactly. Always. Okay. And, and that's why, you said before, the, the gentleness idea, it, it, comes, it comes out in such a big, big, big way. You've got to care. Let's go back to the uh, TED Talk by uh, Daniel, Daniel Goldman on compassion. And remember, he was talking about the urban trance, mm-hmm. about working with homeless people and, and, and studying that, and, and said, you know, we, we just don't, don't watch. Well, interesting development that, that happened to him after that. One day soon after that, it was a Friday, uh, at the end of the day, I went, was going down to the subway. It was rush hour. And, Thousands of people were streaming down the stairs, and all of a sudden, as I was going down the stairs, I noticed that there was a man slumped to the side, shirtless, not moving, and people were just stepping over him, hundreds and hundreds of people. And because my urban trance had been somehow weakened, I found myself stopping to find out what was wrong. The moment I stopped, half a dozen other people immediately ringed the same guy. And we found out that he was Hispanic, he didn't speak any English, he had no money, he'd been wandering the streets for days, starving, and he'd fainted from hunger. Immediately someone went to get orange juice, someone brought a hot dog, someone brought a subway cop. This guy was back on his feet immediately. But all it took was that simple act of noticing. And sometimes really that's all it takes. And when one person notices others, you give permission for others to notice as well. 
that's part of being our brother's keeper. Nice. Keeper. Literally being on call to humbly protect and help them where we can. So this humility and bearing another's burdens will be tested when things get dicey between us. Okay, now we get down to it, all right? Sometimes we may not want to protect as we might feel slighted or wronged by the one who might need protecting. It is in this circumstance that the depth of our being our brother's keeper needs to find expression. So, okay, what are we talking about? What if you were in flat-out disagreement with someone you call your brother? And, and then we want to ask this, a sub-question. The next scripture we're going to talk about, does this apply to people who are not brothers in Christ as well? Like okay. a neighbor. Right, like okay. a neighbor, for instance. First okay. Corinthians 6, 1-7. to Now, the Apostle Paul is lecturing the Corinthians here. And he's not happy because they are essentially making a mockery of the name of Christ because they're not treating it with the height of respect that it needs. Does any of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not contempt to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life so what he's saying is you know you guys are bringing each other being bringing lawsuits against each other and you are christians walking together and he's basically saying what is wrong with you i mean do we really believe in the wisdom of god working in the lives of our brotherhood even those with whom we have issues see that's the big question Mm. if you really do believe that the wisdom of god is working in that person are you going to drag them before a court of law over some issue that, that you guys are disagreeing on? Or can you say, hey, look, you have got the wisdom of God working with you. I've got the wisdom of God working with me. We should be able to work this out. That's right. Let's get help from, here's an idea, others who have the wisdom of God working in their lives. <laughs> I mean, what he's saying is you should be beyond pettiness. You should be higher than that. Verses uh, 4 to 6 of 1 Corinthians 6. So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brothers go to law with brother and then before unbelievers. So he's saying, don't you have anybody among you that you determine to have wisdom in Christ enough to help you through your troubles? So there's a lot of pieces here, Jonathan. Now, this is obviously talking about brothers in Christ. Yes, it is. Okay, so this is not talking about somebody who lives down the street who, who may be a Hindu, for instance. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's talking about brothers in Christ and saying, look, you should not be taking your, your issues with one another out into the world. You should be handling them. You should be grown up. You should be mature. And if you're not, find somebody in Christ who is. To help. This is what being your brother's keeper is. It's not accentuating our problems. It's handling them all for the glory of God. And this harmonizes with Matthew 18. Yes. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. Absolutely does. So being our brother's keeper uh, in this situation will meet with its greatest challenges that we're talking about here. Are we willing to accept the wrong and accept it without retaliation? Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 6. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? That is a powerful powerful statement the apostle paul is saying 
rather than as two Christians bringing your your petty differences of, of legal matters before everybody else in the world to look at, why not figure it out between you? And if you can't come to some kind of logical conclusion, then why not just take the wrong, swallow it, move on? Good point. That's hard. It is. That is, you know, and, and the apostle saying, "Look, we've already lost the battle if we're if we're if we're bringing our issues before everybody else." Yeah. Now, Rick, I, I had a thought. Some in Christendom, unfortunately, take this to an extreme and have become a law to themselves. Yeah, yeah, and and you got to be careful about that. Yeah, because you can't write laws above the laws. You know, uh, uh, of the land, although we should be living by higher standards than others. Yes. But we can't expect others to live up to our higher standards. So now, when you look at this, Jonathan, and, and this is saying, okay, Christians should not take Christian to, 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 to a law, you know, lawsuit and so forth. And you, you, you look at this and say, well, wait a minute. I mean, there's all kinds of issues where maybe you have to, and sure, there may be issues like that, but is yours really one of them? Mm. <laughs> you know? And now the next question is, let's take a couple of minutes here. I'm looking at it from a different standpoint. What about your your neighbor who's not a Christian? Maybe your neighbor is an atheist. Maybe they're a really good person, mm-hmm. but you have you have a dispute over some property issue or something. Do you say, okay, why not take the wrong there? Taking the wrong implies that you have been the one who has been wronged. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, are you supposed to take the wrong just because you're a Christian and, and everybody can 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 challenge you on things and you're just going to back down? Be a doormat. That's not what this is saying. When there are issues of principle, we have to stand up for principle. And the apostle is not saying don't stand up for principle. But he's saying when it comes to... And so, so there, here's the difference. When, when it comes to dealing with people in the world, if you will, okay. yes, stand up for principle, stand up for righteousness, and, 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 and basically stand on, look, this is the way it's supposed to be, and I am trying to operate the way it's supposed to be. And don't try to gouge them. You know, right. with lawsuits, that's one of the things that, that's kind of frustrating is when, when people win uh, a suit against a company or something, you know, and they win, you know, $872 million. That's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they win so much, and you yet ask yourself the question, sometimes, is the winning way over the top? And am I in it so I can win it, you know, in terms of getting things? I've known people in life who were, who were um, serial suit people you know oh i fell down on the escalator Ooh, and literally there there there's some folks that that i knew a while ago that were always involved in two or three different lawsuits i got injured here i got injured there i got injured here and you know they just were expert at being a victim that's not how sad that's not where we should go we should stand for principle principle and yes if, if godly principle right and if you have to stand against somebody else in doing so do so but do it with godliness in your heart and your mind. Let's go back to um, our firefighters because that's oh, a more yeah. fun thing to talk oh, about. It is. Uh, so firefighters in Lansing, Michigan with their man, Tony, who has been visiting their fire station for over 60 years now. And they treat him exactly as such. Play. No coddling here. They play jokes on Tony, as brothers do, like take his cane. Hey. And Tony will tease them right back. My assistant here. Like when he calls battalion chief Jim Marino his assistant. Oh, I just got demoted again. (laughs) Oh, you better get it straight. I'll never get it straight. So, that's fun. You know, it's fun, but it is costly. It costs them to do this. It costs them their time. 
It costs them their effort. It costs them literally money because they contribute to feeding him and taking him places and all of that. What a wonderful example. And that's the point. The point is, it's a wonderful example because it costs them and because they are willing. That's what makes truly being your brother's keeper valuable. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, Jonathan, our next point on being our brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper means putting their best interest before ours. All right. That's straightforward, that's simple, and that's very difficult. James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, you know, I love this scripture because it's talking about, first of all, being vulnerable. Mm. Confess your faults one to another. That's hard to do. That's not easy, no. no. And then it says, pray for, pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, this is talking about a spiritual healing. It's not talking about physical healing. Look at the context, and it becomes very clear. And then it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the context of praying for your brother or sister. Yes, others, not yourself. Right. Now, it doesn't mean we we shouldn't pray for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But it means that when we effectually and fervently pray for our brothers in being our brother's keeper, there can be great results from that. Yes. And that that should be utterly inspiring to look at. That's like, that selfless love that we're talking about. And that's being the 46-second video that makes people change. You know, because you're, you're contributing to someone else, and others can look at that and say, wow, I can do that too. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing for selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. And do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, this is another great scripture. You know, I like a lot of scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. See, we agree. <laughs> but you know, it says, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And boy, when you begin to do that, you see the world through different eyes. Because now you're looking at, you're focusing, and you're working on the importance of your brother or sister. And especially when you have disagreements and everything's not perfect, if we can begin to do that in the context of, well, I'm not really happy with them, but you know, they are more important than I am. So we need to protect and defend, don't we? And you know, when you hear that phrase, what do you think of? I think of a superhero, <laughs> and that's what Jesus did. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, when I hear that, protect and defend, I think of the military. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I think of what they do and how they put the welfare of those that they are protecting and defending above themselves. Yes. And they train and they train and they train and then they go do their job. That's being your brother's keeper. It is. We need to be our brother's keeper on that kind of level. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, should we be our brother's keeper? Coming up, what about situations where serving God and dealing with your fellow man contradict? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. 
You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is Should We Be Our Brother's Keeper? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or, don't forget, you can message us on your app. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. You know, Jonathan, you have a habit at the end of a segment of asking a question that's really hard for the next one. You know, last segment was about, okay, what about if you seriously disagree with your brother? And then the question you asked at the end of last segment was, okay, what about if you and your fellow man contradict? You know, yeah. not necessarily a brother, mm-hmm. but, you know, how do you, how do you maintain that brother's keeper attitude and mentality in that circumstance? And these are really, really important questions. So that brings us to our next point on being our brother's keeper. Being our brother's keeper means setting an example for them that honor God. Okay, so you set an example that honors God. You just want to do that no matter who you're dealing with. That's the key. Yes. Is my example honoring God? Matthew twenty-two fifteen to 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one for you are not partial to any. That's such a... Such a crock. <laughs> it just is. I'm sorry. They're building up their lie, right? <laughs> yes, they are. It's purely a setup. They feign honor and respect, and then they pound them. That's what they're doing. Oh yeah, let's you know we're gonna let's trap them. Let's but let's let's ask this really sincere question. It's not sincere. I mean, come on. <laughs> so and of course Jesus knows this. And, oh yeah. And you know the good thing about Jesus is he doesn't react the way I do. <laughs> Watch how Jesus not only diffuses the plot but how he's willing to protect them in their ignorance this is this is a beautiful example of subtle being your brother's keeper and jesus did it with the pharisees here verses 17 to 19 of matthew 22 and they're asking jesus a question yes tell us then what do you think is it lawful to give a poll tax to caesar or not but jesus perceived their malice and said why are you testing me you hypocrites Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. All right, so you may be wondering what a poll tax is. Well, CQ Rewind, the bonus material, goes into defining that. And it had to do with the temple. We'll, we'll leave it at that at this point. So here's the thing. Jesus, first thing is he exposes their attitude and their hypocrisy. He, he, he tells them, look, you're hypocrites. Okay, I know that. I see it. He's not afraid to tell them. He's being honest. <laughs> yes, and that's part of being your brother's keeper. That's the first thing. Okay. You have to be... You, you don't you don't whitewash the difficulty here, okay? So he's, 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 he tells them honestly. He's as honest in his assessment of them as they, are, as they were dishonest in their devious plot against him. Wow. Okay? <laughs> so he's, he's counteracting them, and he says, bring me the coin, okay? Show me the coin. So what happens? And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So second, he gives them an answer in a way that's not arguable. How can you argue with that? <laughs> you can't. Okay. His answer is profound advice for them to follow if they themselves 
were wanting to be about the business of serving God. Because, you see, this was a debate amongst the Pharisees. Should we be paying this tax because it was supposed to be for, for, for Jewish good, but it ends up going to the Roman government? We don't really want it to go to the Roman government, but they're taxing us anyway, and we really shouldn't because we shouldn't have to. And he's saying, simply, I'm showing you how to live godly in a godly way. He's protecting them. He's exposed them for what they are, and then he protects them. And what, what's the answer? And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. Because what do you say to that? <laughs> so their big plot ends up being punctured and diffused by the wisdom and mercy and compassion uh, of Jesus. It just, it's just a, such a wonderful thing. And, and when I think about situations like this, Jonathan, Matthew 6.33 comes to mind. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it's a matter of our perspective. Being our brother's keeper means setting example for others that honors God. And that example is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember, righteousness is not just nice things. That's right. It's godly things. And all these things will be added to you. Let's finish up our story of uh, Tony and the firefighters in Lansing, Michigan. Although the brotherly teasing continues, as Tony ages, the guys have started to play another role, too. Like the children of an aging parent, the firefighters do his laundry, clean his hearing aids. They even bathe Tony now. What if these guys weren't here? What would your life be like? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't like thinking about that? No. Fortunately, he never will have to think about that. Tony's got a place forever, yeah. All firefighters are heroes. Chop, chop. But at Station One, they are, before they ever leave the building. All right. And, Jonathan, that's more than just a heartwarming story. Mm -hmm. It is a powerful lesson on the power of contributing to the lives of those around you. And you know, I, I've known several firefighters, and every firefighter I've ever known has had that, I don't know, there's a sense of, of community and goodness that it's just not, it's above normal. How's that? Good. It really, I like it. And, and, and I think by virtue of being a firefighter, by virtue of being there always ready, you, you learn that community. You learn to be tolerant, more tolerant of those around you, and to be able to contribute better to those around you. And what a great example. What a great example. And, you know, Certainly is. And, and here's this guy. He's getting old. He's, he's in his 70s and now. And they're still taking care of him. I, I mean, they, they wash his clothes now. I mean, they, he's like an aging parent. Mm. And they're treating him with honor and respect and with love and compassion. That is being your brother's keeper. All right. I, uh, I mean, what do you want to say? It's a beautiful thing. That, you know? It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> All right. Well, what's our next? What's our next and final point on being our brother's keeper? Being our brother's keeper means knowing who to protect them from. Okay, <laughs> that's important. Yeah, it is. That's it really is. important. How can we know who's who and what's what? Well, the way to do that, Jonathan, is to check yourself first. Because, you know, what we don't want to have happen is we don't want it so that our brother or sister needs to be protected from us. <laughs> For sure. But, Let's hope not. But, you know, we can sit here and we can laugh about it because that sounds absurd. But if we, in our interaction with others, 
have that self-absorbed, self-serving serving approach, then others need protection from us. Mm, good point. <laughs> so good it's like, point. What good is that? So we have to be really, really careful. Matthew 7, verses 13 to 18. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So you've got to check yourself first. Jesus is saying here, enter through the narrow gate. Not the easy one, the hard one. You know, it, it talks about the, 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 the way to destruction is broad. It's a four-lane highway. Mm-hmm. The way to eternal life as a true Christian in this age is a rocky, narrow, difficult, hard-to-negotiate path. But that's where you're supposed to be walking. Make sure you're not on the highway. You can tell, incidentally, you can tell if you're on the broad road to destruction. Yes. It's fast, it's exciting, it's wonderful, and all this kind of great stuff. And the road to the narrow way is difficult, full of blessing, but through, through difficulty as well. Let's continue with the verses. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. So there's a, a, a tremendous warning here. Pay close attention to the fruit of those who would deceive. For there are always signs of darkness and evil that cannot be fully hidden as their agenda eventually shows itself. And Rick, those drawing power and wealth and attention to themselves, we need to beware, instead of honoring and glorifying God. And that's the evil that can't be hidden. Is, you know, when you've got those charismatic leaders that are all about them and all about riches and all about personal glory, you can see where the focus is. If it's all about feeling good, that's great. But you can feel good, and you don't have to go to a Christian church to feel good. You can be part of a community project and, and get that same feel, feel of well-being. You know, it's about finding the things that when you look at they say, well, wait a minute. This is really not the mind of Christ here. I may, maybe I should be looking other places. So pay a close attention to the fruits of those who would deceive, for there are always signs of darkness. Always, always, and they will show themselves if you look for them. Jonathan, let's go to one last soundbite. This is a little bit longer. This is from Martin Luther King Jr. This was a sermon he gave on February 4th, 1968, The Drum Major Instinct. And he's talking about redefining what greatness is. And he does it in a way that only he can do. So let's listen. And so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't know you don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. 
You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul generated by love. You can be that servant. Okay, so there you have such a wonderful, you know? wonderful example and, and a message. You can be great because if you're a Christian, greatness comes through service. Be your brother's keeper. Colossians 2, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So there you have some of the other warnings as to who to protect our brothers from. Uh, philosophy and empty deception, the traditions of men, the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. Protect and defend. That's what being our brother's keeper is all about. And if we can begin to understand the import of taking those, those that, 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 that little three-word sentence, protect and defend, and if I can learn to apply it to me, and say, I want to protect and defend you because you're my brother, because I care about you, because you are more important to me than I am to me right now, because you have been called. I have the privilege of helping you walk. That is being your brother's keeper. If we can look at our neighbors and even if they're not Christians, be kind and gentle and compassionate and inclusive and give them a sense of community with them, that's being your brother's keeper. If we can take those people who don't like us even and be good to them and show them, and, and show them love and grace, that is being your brother's keeper. And if we can do this in every aspect of our lives, then we become walking epistles of Christ. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back next week with another subject. But till then, be your brother's keeper. We'll be back next week. Think about it. Think about it.